All right, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And uh, we're going to, last time we introduced uh, this uh, passage here, verse number 1, and they came over under the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And we introduced that because we were back up in verse 35 of chapter 4. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And they go and the storm pops up. And really, that they, they, for, they go and wake him up. They forgot what he said about going to the other side and getting there. Their, their unbelief showed up. But really, the storm pictures the satanic opposition to what God is doing. And the reason that he's going to the other side and the reason for the satanic opposition trying to stop him from getting there is because of what he's going to do when he gets to the other side, which is the issue of invading the satanic territory here, this stronghold in the north. So 5.1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been off, often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. So when Christ gets there, immediately he's immediately confronted by this guy and who is under satanic captivity. He's immediately confronted, verse 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And uh, Matthew 8, he he says, You're going to torment me before the time. So really, when when Christ comes, there's a couple things here in verse 6 and 7. He shows up, one... The issue about torment, they know he understands there's a judgment coming. There's a second coming, a judgment day. But then he also says that issue about the Son of the Most High, God. So when Jesus Christ comes here, he comes as the Son of the Most High God. And he's coming to throw out the satanic captivity that this guy is under. And that title, the Son of the Most High God, Genesis 14 and verse 19, that title is defined for us, first time it shows up, as the possessor of heaven and earth. So when you see that title, it's describing, Jesus is, you know, he's being described as the possessor, the creator of heaven and earth. And the one that's going to possess all the authority in heaven and earth because he's the creator. So when Christ here in Mark, he's the servant, and he's come to repossess his lost possession, i.e. 
the nation of Israel. He comes to the other side of the sea here of Galilee for this very specific purpose, and that is to repossess the, what he's lost, which will be the nation of Israel, the guy, i.e. the guy, but then also that land, the territory. That's why he says, verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. So there's one guy doing the talking, and he says, We're Legion. Now, if you come to the end of verse 13, there, are, there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. So this guy has 2,000 unclean spirits in him. And that's what legion is. And when you look the word legion up, I went in and looked after last week. It's anywhere from two to 6,000 is the number. But the thing about the name legion is it's a military term. It's a term that is one of the divisions of the Roman army. And there's a military connection here with what's happening in the bigger... There's a military force of 2,000 in one guy here whose design and whose goal and whose charges and whose orders are to hold the land of Israel and to control the nation of Israel. And the way you do that is inhabiting the people of Israel, the Jews. So what we're seeing here as we go through this is, a, is really a military activity where we see the kingdom of God is now come to fight against the kingdom of Satan and to cast out the kingdom of Satan out of the land, out of the, out of the people, get it all cleaned up. And what Christ is doing here is he's come to demonstrate how he's going to do it. He's doing it here in one man. Going to get rid of the legion. Going to get rid of them, and just and we'll see that as we go through. But here he's showing how I'm going to deliver Israel from satanic captivity, just as he delivered nature and the storm picture from it. Now he's going to show how I'm going to deliver Israel. And really, if you start in verse 21. 521, he's to the end of the chapter, he's going to deliver Israel from disease. He's going to deliver them from death. So what you see in this chapter here is you see the Lord delivering Israel from all the things that Satan is seeking to place in Israel, place on them, the spiritual captivity and this physical captivity. So Christ has come here now as we begin to see this in 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 five one here with this maniac of Gadara they call him and he's really not a maniac and he's really not from Gadara either we'll see that here in just a second but so there's a thing here where you know what's going on so in verses two to five you see the power of the satanic uh, captivity as it enslaves Israel as it as it takes over the people who then sit in the land. Then in verse 6 to 13, you see the Lord how come in and how he's going to deliver Israel, the people, and the land. 
And then in verse 14 and 15, you see the result there. Uh, Verse 15, and they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion, sitting and clothed and in his what? Right mind, and they were afraid. What, is, what, do you, what has happened? A transformation has happened. You got a guy that's up here in the tombs cutting himself off and all this, and the Lord has come and deliver him, delivered him. Then in verse 16 and 17, if you look at verse uh, 16 there, uh, and they, um, the response of the people is what you see. Really, verse 17, and they began to pray him to what? Depart out of their coast. Get, they reject the deliverance. And that's what's going to happen. He just, think about that. Here's this great show of deliverance, and the people that see it do what? They reject it. Then in verse 18, 19, and 20, you see what the man delivered does. Uh, verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. So he wants to go with the Lord. The Lord says, No, you need to go home and tell everybody. So that was his response. Now, notice that he's from Decapolis. Now, that's, he, that, is, that city is south of, the, of Gadara, the country of the Gadarenes. So this man is not from Gadara. He doesn't live there. He doesn't, he, that, by the way, that's why he's in the tombs and in the mountain. He doesn't have a home. He doesn't have a dwelling house or place, but rather he's there because that's where the satanic captivity, the legion, had taken him to. And that's going to be very important to see here as really we get into this about where this is happening. Now, we've got two parallel, uh, the two parallel um, passages, get Matthew 8 and Luke 8. And what begins to happen here is there is some things that pop up in the accounts here that people use. And the people that use it are people that don't like the Bible, okay? And they, they really begin to kind of get troubled with it. And, and again, the location of where this is taking place is critical. It's important. And that's why understanding why Jesus went to this place is important and uh, why Satan wanted it stopped in the storm. And uh, you, you, you come in, uh, Luke 8, uh, verse 26, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. Mark 5, Luke 8, say, well, where are we? Where, where are we located? Where is this taking place? The country of the Gadarenes. Now look at Matthew 8. So the location here is critical. Mark 5 and Luke 8 say the the Gadarenes, Matthew 8, verse 28. Matthew 8, 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, 
exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, we ha What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Aren't thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So obviously it's the same account. But Matthew says this happened in the, in the country of the Gergesenes. Mark and Luke say Gatter, the Gadarenes. Matthew says there's two guys. Mark and Luke says there's one guy. So then what happens is, is the Bible correctors and the people that don't like a King James Bible specifically, oh, see, you got a mistake. And it's the same account, so something's wrong. Why can't we have this? So, you know, really what the theologians have done over the years is they say, they make the statement that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all colluded together to get all this together. Well, if that's the case, then wouldn't the accounts be the same? The answer is yes. But because the accounts are just a little different here is really a protection issue of what's happening in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So rather than attack it, and, and again, rather than living in, a, in unbelief, study it out and look at it. And, and that's really with anything in, in the Scriptures. You know, you get in that Old Testament, especially between Kings and Samuel and Chronicles, and you get different things, different numbers. They play the number game with you, you know, 10,000 horsemen and 50,000 horses. Well, well, horsemen in war always have more than one horse. They actually have a bunch of horses, you know, and, they, you, and that's, the 10,000 isn't the right number, okay? It's just the number that came to my mind. But you, so you got to pay attention, you know, to what's going on. So in why the difference? That's really the question. Well, why in Matthew are there two guys, and in Mark and Luke there's only one? Well, Matthew, there's not a lot of details. Did you see that? We just read it, boom, it's quick. But in Mark 5, there's details. And actually, in Luke 8, there are more details than Mark 5 has. And the reason for that, again, gets to be the pictures that Mark, the portrait that Mark is painting and Luke's painting and Matthew's painting. Matthew, he just says, the Lord delivered them, and off we go to the next one. And he, Matthew is just the, focusing in on the delivering power of the King, of the Messiah. That, that, again, that's what Matthew's all about. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is king. He is Messiah. So it, he focuses in on the deliverance that the king is bringing, not what the guys are saying, not who they are. You could care less. Just watch the king ride in and deliver them. And when the king comes and delivers them, there are how many houses of Israel are there? Two. Okay, there are two houses here. You've got the northern tribes, you've got the southern tribe. And again, John 10 over there talks, the Lord says, I have other sheep. I'll go get them, and then we'll have one shepherd, and we'll have one flock. That restoration, Ezekiel has the two sticks, and all of that that's coming in here. Matthew says, there's, these two have an issue. They're going to be made one under the rule of the king. So there's two, and we have an issue. 
by the way. Mark and Luke only say what? There's only one. Because they're focusing on, on what's really going on. They're looking at what is the real problem that the two houses really have. Just because Mark and Luke say there's only the one guy doesn't mean that there wasn't another guy standing there. Because their focus isn't on the two, because the two are saying the same thing, by the way. Their focus is in on what's really going on. What's the problem? What's the issue? Why are they captive? What's holding them captive? Both houses of Israel are the focus here, but really of what's being of the portrait. Mark, the servant, we're going to go fix it. We're going to go get it. Luke, the man, we're going to go do. Matthew, here's the declaration of the king. Watch him work. And that's what's happening here. Matthew is uh, the working and so forth is not the issue. It's, it, the issue in Matthew is that they're both going to be delivered. And in Mark and Luke, the focus is on the specific issue of why they are captive to begin with. So the problem is not really a problem. The problem, you know, it, it points to what's really happening. Okay? Now, you think about the Gadarenes and the, Gergag- the Gergesenes, okay? So, I'm not, you know, I don't know about you, but somebody needs to make a good Bible map. There are none. They're horrific. Even online, you get online, I found something that would help and we could see this. But then when you print it, I printed it out, you couldn't read the words. And I'm like, well, I'll put it on the overhead. You still couldn't. So just bear with me. So this is the Mediterranean Sea, okay? Here's the Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, and the Dead Sea. And Jerusalem, I'm doing this a little big so you can see it, okay? Here's, this is Jerusalem. He's over here, and he says, we're going up here. The Gadarenes are in the, north, the, the northeast quadrant across the sea. The Gergesenes are 20 miles south of Gadara. Okay, you with me? The Kapolos sits out here even further south and away, and it's one of the ten cities they call them. The Gergesenes one of the ten cities. Okay? Now, the reason that this is important is because of a little tribe called Dan. All right? And what's happening in the scriptures here with Dan. And why this is important here where the Lord is at and with what's happening here um, and so forth as we go through this. Um, come over back with me to Judges, actually get Genesis 49. Because where we're at is in, we're in the territory of the tribe of Dan. As the Lord is going to cross and go in and he's invading satanic territory, that's why this is going to be important. Look at Genesis 49. 
why Jesus Christ is going into the very stronghold of the adversary. That's why this, the fight about where we're talking about is very important. Look at Genesis 49. In Genesis 49, Jacob gives a prophecy, verse 1, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. He's going to give a prophecy to the 12 boys about their future. Specifically, what's going to happen in the last days. If you look there at verse 9, verse 8, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. They had, uh, they, thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the, from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a, an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Binding his foal into the vine and his ass's colt under the choice vine. That's all about the Lord. Who's the Lord? He's that the lion of Judah. There he is. The ass's colt and all that prediction there as he comes in and so forth. Verse 16. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. It's interesting. Dan shall be a, what, serpent, by the way, and an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heels so that his rider shall fall backward. Now, being a serpent, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a bad thing. Actually, in Revelation, over there in Revelation 7, when he numbers out the 144,000, the tribes, Dan is omitted. It is not there. He's not there. Why? Because he's a bad guy. He's the, he's the tribe that introduces the issue of Baal worship into the nation of Israel, into the tribes of Israel. Come over to Judges 18. Judges 18. Judges 18. And this is why this is important, is because this is the very area where the Lord has left and gone across. We're going, getting over here. We're up in here. We're doing this. We're invading the territory. Judges 18. Look at verse 30. And the children of Dan set up the graven image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan, until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set them up Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. What did they do? They, they disobeyed the first two commandments of the, of the ten, and they went over here and they got caught up in Baal worship. They got caught up. So the satanic policy of evil gets his introduction into the nation's thinking through the tribe of Dan. This, By the way, this is before Rehoboam and Jeroboam, where they rip up the nation, and, and Jeroboam says, don't go down there to Jerusalem. 
three times a year. You just come up here, and he puts a he puts a temple in Bethel, and he puts a temple in Dan to keep everybody at home. Now, Dan is the source for Baal worship to be introduced into the nation of Israel. So it has a foothold in Israel where? In this territory, in and through Dan. Now, go, go back with me to chapter 17 and watch it happen here in verse 1, 17, 1. And there was a man of, the, of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. Now, by the way, this is not the prophet Micah, okay? <laughs> and he said unto his mother, The 1,100 shekels of silver which, that were taken from thee, about which thou uh, curest, and speak, spaketh of, also in my ears, Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. Could you imagine telling your mom you stole from her? That's what he just did. Well, first of all, could you imagine stealing from your mom? But he did. And his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my son. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. So basically... She had dedicated this money to go over here to be made into an image. So there's a religious system already coming about. Okay? The son says, well, I took it from you. He restored it. She says, go make the image, verse 4. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the foundry who made the, thereof a graven image and a molten image. And they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a house of gods. Notice it's plural, gods, little g. So there's a religious system that's been set up here. He has an ephod and made an ephod. That's the robe that the priest wears. And uh, a teraphim. A teraphim is the idol that the priest wears around their neck. You ever wonder why they wear big old crosses around their neck? It's called a teraphim. You know, I know guys who wear, neck, who wear crosses and they hide them, and that's not an idol. <laughs> but when you see it in a religious kind of big old honking thing, it's, it's around his neck. And consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And that's the problem. We're not going to do it God's way. We're going to do it my way. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And what I want to do is I want to set up this religious system here. And it's going to mirror and mimic what God's already given Israel. But it's going to be mine. Exactly. Verse 7, And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. So you got a young priest. He just got out of school. And what's he looking for? He's looking for a job. He's looking for a place to, to serve. Verse 10. Now, verse 9, And Micah said unto him, 
Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah got all excited here because he said for his sons to be his priest, but now he's got a real priest. Now he's got a Levite. He's got somebody. So he retired his boys and gave this guy the job. Verse 10, dwell with me and be unto me a father and a priest and i will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year a suit of apparel and thy victuals so the levi went in he found a job but notice the priest is called what father now micah's an older man this is a young man and the young man carries the title father that's why the lord says call no man father and you begin to see this work out here when you talk about baal worship and they, he's, they're making sacrifices, and they're doing this, and they're worshiping the queen of heaven and all this stuff, and it just rolls in. I mean, modern day, we see it in the Roman Catholic Church as the manifestation, but there, it is also in some Protestant churches just as bad, see? So you've got that going on. Again, they're setting up a competing system here, and it's called Baal worship. If you drop down to verse 13, then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. I finally made it because I got a guy who's ordained and, and graduated from the right school. There's your genealogy. Paul says fables and endless genealogies. There it is. I got the guy. Now 18.1. In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. For unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of the Gentiles. Dan shows up. I'm sorry, the tribes of Israel, sorry. And the children of Dan sent of their family five men from their coast. Then they, look at down there at verse 4. And he said unto them, Thus and thus dealeth Micah with me, and hath, what? Hired me, and I am his priest. That's why the Lord will call them hirelings. He's in it for the money. He's not in it just for service, but he's in it for the money. And they said unto him, Ask counsel, we pray thee of God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. And the priest said unto them, What? Go in peace. Why does a priest say today, go in peace? Well, all right's right there. It's part of their lingo. Before the Lord is your way wherein you go. And they leave and they go do and drop all the way down just for time. Verse 18. And these went into Micah's house and fetched the carved image, the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. Then said the priest unto them, what do ye? Now, think, watch this scene. And they said unto him, Hold thy peace, lay thy hand upon thy mouth, and go with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for thee to be a priest unto the house of one man, or thou be a priest unto a tribe and a family in Israel? Isn't that interesting? Hey, you got a small church. You want a mega church? We give you a mega church. Just come on and be with us. And by the way, be quiet. 
And the priest's heart was glad. And he took the ephod and the teraphim and the graven image and went in the midst of the people. And so they turned and departed and put the little ones and the cattle and the carriage before them. They hide him. <laughs> they make him blend in. And when they were a good way away from the house of Micah, the men that were in the houses near to, to Micah's house were gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they cried unto the children of Dan, and they turned their faces and said unto Micah, Why aileth thee, thee that thou comest with such a company? And he said, Ye have taken away my gods which I made, and the priest, and ye are gone away. And what have I more? And what is this that ye say unto me? What aileth thee? You took all my stuff. So why do you ask what's wrong with me and why am I upset? You took everything and I've got nothing. Verse 30, and the children of Dan set up the graven image. They go and set up Baal worship. And they institute it into the very fabric of the nation of Israel and the tribe. And where they're at is they're up here in the north. They're in the north. That's where they land. Come over to 1 Kings chapter 7. 1 Kings 7. And what is happening up there in the north? You remember in Isaiah 14 where Satan, Lucifer is there, and he's going to sit on the throne in the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north? So literally what Satan is doing is he's setting up a buffer zone here. He's setting up a territory that kind of like, I think about a, a, the DMZ zones, you know, a, a buffer here between, between Israel and, and his place, his palace. And uh, th these guys are in darkness. And we'll look at more of that on Saturday, but we'll see it here. Look at 1 Kings 7. Now, you have Solomon here, verse 1. But Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and he finished all of his house. Actually, if you look back in chapter 6, 6-1, 6 and it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month Zeph, that's May, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. So he's going to build the house of the Lord. Verse 38, and in the eleventh year in the month Bull, B-U-L, okay, by the way, that's equals out to November, which is the eighth month was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof and according to all the fashion of it, so was he seven years in building it. So he builds the Lord's house, takes seven years. By the way, seven, number of, of perfection. But then, 7-1, it took him how long? Thir do you know, 13, the number of rebellion, the number of the Gentile to build. So that's not a good sign. Verse 2, he built also the house of the forest of what? Lebanon. Now, Lebanon is up here on the other side. All right? Lebanon, it's in uh, Syria, so it's up in that northern area. Today, Syria, Jordan, all that up in there. Okay? 
Now we'll keep reading. So he builds him a house, but then he builds him a house up north in Lebanon. Uh, the length thereof was 100 cubits, and the breadth thereof 50 cubits, and the height thereof 30 cubits, upon four rows of cedar pillars, with cedar beams upon the pillars. Verse th uh, 3, And it was covered with cedar above, uh, upon the beams that lay on 45 pillars, 15 in a row. Verse 6, and he made a porch of pillars. The length thereof was 50 cubits, and the breadth thereof 30 cubits. And the porch was before them, and the other pillars and the thick beam were before them. Then he made a porch for the, notice, throne where he might judge, even the porch of judgment. And it was covered with cedar from one side of the floor to the other. So what is he making? He's got a throne that he's making up here in the north. Get the right one. Okay. We're up here in the north. The he's got a throne up there. Again, Isaiah 14, sitting in the, on the throne in the sides of the north, that place of judgment. Okay. Come, hold on to 7. Come, back, come over to chapter 10 of 1 Kings. Solomon has, uh, he's going to get visited here in chapter 10 by the Queen of Sheba. But Solomon has been out cha chasing what, what Solomon, what Ecclesiastes calls outlandish women. Outlandish, outside of the land, Gentile, okay? He's been after uh, strange women, they would, they would have been called. He's not where he's supposed to be. In other words, he's been out among the Gentiles, and what did they do? They turn his heart, verse 14. Now, now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon, 1014, in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. Do you know what that is? That's 600, that's 600, 606, it's 666. That's what it is. So Solomon has had his heart turned by the Gentile women, the, the gods and the religious system of the Gentiles, from being a picture of Jehovah, being a type of Christ, into becoming a type of the Antichrist. And what's going to happen, look at verse 17. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three pounds of gold went into one shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. So what do we have up here? And by the way, this is north. This should be even up higher than Dan. Okay, it goes that way. What do we have? We got some shields, don't we? We got some armament going in. Verse 18, moreover, the king made a great throne of what? Of ivory and overlaid it with the best gold. Ivory, what color is ivory? White. Do you know of a great white throne of judgment? Guess where it's going to be on the earth? Right up here. Satan, great white throne, he's already developed one. The sides of the north and the judgment seat up there. He's already got it up there because this up here in the north is the kingdom of Satan. You with me? 
By the way, if you look here, verse 19, the throne had six steps. Verse 20, there's 12 lions stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps. So what do we got? We got six, six, and six again. <laughs> we, it's all through here. So come back with me to Luke 20. L Luke 20. So he's made a house, and in that house, he's got in Lebanon up there, he's got this great white throne. He's going to sit upon that throne, and he's going to judge. And it's a competing thing that what's going to be down here in Jerusalem, and it's sitting up there in the north. And he's using the tribe of Dan as a buffer zone. Luke 11. Luke 11. Luke 11 and verse 20. Luke 11 and verse 20. So when you see this, then this passage makes a little, helps a little bit more. Luke 11, verse 20. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now again, Jesus Christ is talking here about the battle that's raging between God and between Satan. That's what Mark 5, 1 is all about. God has come in to that area there across the Sea of Galilee to cast out the kingdom of Satan. He's invading Satan's territory. And he's demonstrating by invading that how he's going to liberate the nation of Israel who is held in satanic captivity. Verse 21. When a strong man, armed, keepeth his what? His palace. Well, what is, who is Solomon? Think about who Sol Solomon's the king. What's he got? He's got a palace. That's headquarters. That's where everything runs out of. He's armed. The guy's name is Legion. He's, there's a military component to this spiritual wickedness what does he say his goods are in peace but when a stronger than he and there's the lord shall come upon him and overcome him there's the battle he taketh from him all his armor there's the beaten shields and all that we see with solomon wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils so what do we got going on here? Jesus Christ comes in. He's invading the territory. This buffer zone up here of the tribe of Dan that he's placed in there. And he's going in and he's demonstrating to Israel, this is how I'm going to deliver you. And by the way, I, not only am I going to deliver you, I'm going to deliver nature, the storm. That's why we had that storm here, Mark 4. Come over to Matthew 4. And that's what's happening here. That's what's transpiring. That's why understanding where this is located at is so important. It's more than just some guy is carried, caught up with an unclean spirit and the Lord comes and casts him out. It's more important because we're over here, we're going to invade them, and I'm going to demonstrate to all of this up here that they ain't a, there's no way you're going to stop it. I'm going to do this. 
Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Well, verse 12, sorry. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leave, now Galilee is north. He's here. He goes north. Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. Now, Capernaum becomes the Lord's hometown now. Becomes the base of operation. It's where we're at in Mark when he goes out, heals, and leaves, and he's going to the other side. Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulon and Nethel. So you got Z and N pop up. Okay? They, they come up right there across from Dan. And lit, the, the, verse uh, 14 that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that's Isaiah, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Nethlem, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in what? Darkness. What's going on up here? Spiritual darkness. What are they going to see? They're going to see a great light. And to them which sat in the region, and the shadow and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Christ comes into that land of spiritual darkness and turns on the light bulbs, turns on the lights. Why? Because God, is, he's light, and there's no darkness in him at all, 1 John 1. That's who he is. The thing is, is there, now, just as Satan has a buffer zone, the Lord sets up a buffer zone, if you will. And he's going to use that to push into that northern territory. Now, come to Isaiah 9, and let's see the, the quote here. You guys with me? I haven't lost you, I hope. I was trying to go slow and cut out a lot of verse running. You know, we could do that. <laughs> but look at Isaiah 9. Look at verse 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in their vexation. The dimness. Well, that's going to come out of chapter 8. So run back up into chapter 8 and look at verse 19. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and under wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek under their God for the living to the dead. Now, that's exactly what Baal worship does. The idols. Paul says to the Corinthians, you were, 1 Corinthians 12, you were Gentiles and you went after dumb idols, D-U-M-B. Those idols don't speak. They're just a block of wood or a block of stone. And yet, what have they been convinced that those idols do? Speak. They peep and mutter. That's tongue talking. And he says, look, guys, you, you, <laughs> that's who you were. Verse 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. And they shall pass through it, hardly bestead and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves, 
and the curse and cursed their king and their God and looked upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. So the dimness comes from them what? Being involved in Baal worship, part of the, that, that religious system. When at the first, 9-1, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Nephilim, and afterward did more grievously affect her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. And the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. So the point, go back to Mark 5. The point here is that when Christ goes across to the other side, he goes across to demonstrate what he's going to do, and that is to liberate the land and the nation of Israel from the satanic captivity, from the strong man. I'm stronger than him, the strong man, I'm going to get him. So in Mark 5, time's up, but in Mark 5, it's not just another guy with an unclean spirit. There's an illustration here, a picture here of the captivity that Israel is under through the spiritual darkness of Baal worship. He's cutting himself, he's peeping, he's muttering, he's doing all, sacrificing. That spiritual darkness of Baal worship has them captured. And the very thing that Christ has come to do, which was to liberate them from that captivity. Now, if you can get this and see what's happening, see the transformation. Now, I didn't go up high enough. I probably should have dropped it down. But when you see what's going on here, that's tremendous help. And what's going to happen now as we go through the rest of the details in Mark 5, because that religious system, that started with the tribe, the tribe of Dan introduces it. Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab's the king of Israel. He makes Baal worship the official religion of Israel. Now, God had given Israel a religion, but Baal worship usurped it. And by the way, Baal worship looks just, it's just that one little tick off than the real deal. Because otherwise, the people wouldn't follow it. So Christ is demonstrating here, I've come to liberate you from all that. And that's exactly what they're going to need. Now, you and I today, I give you one passage. Look over at 2 Timothy 2. Us today, we don't do like Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the age of grace. 2 Timothy 2 Paul talks here at the end of the chapter after talking about the issues of right division. And he says there, verse 24, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. <coughs> Excuse me, patient. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the 
what? Truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You see, Satan has a will for you today to take you captive, but the only way you get out of that is by the teaching of the Word of God rightly divided. Not God coming in here and freeing you, but rather His Word coming in and freeing you. That's why right division, you know, that's why I I hear people, I was watching a beloved TV preacher, Jimmy Swaggart, and uh, he uh, was talking about the guy, one of the guys on there was talking about works salvation. There are people that sit in churches today that are unsaved because they believe a works salvation, a works of righteousness in order to get saved, when Paul says not by works of righteousness. They're religious, they go to church, but they're in the what? Wrong gospel. So what are you doing? You're, you're, you know, and I'm sitting there going, you're in the wrong gospel, dude. You're sending people that listen to you, you're sending them to hell. Why? How do you recover from that? you got to get the truth. So just as the Lord is liberating Israel by going and doing, for you and I today, we're not liberated. The, the thing in verse 26 there, who are taken captive by his will, by him at his will. He's got a will for you, and that's he can't get you out of Christ. He can't get you out of who you are in Christ. He can't get you out of the Holy Spirit. He can't unseal you, okay? But he can make you be ineffective as who you are. He can make it be to where you don't practice and do and be your identity. He can make that be the case. That's why Paul says there in Ephesians 6 about putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand and withstand. So you're going to stand. You don't lose who you are. You just got to learn how to take who you are and put it into the details of life so you can do what? Stand. All right. Time's really up now. Mark 5, where we're at is important. Now we'll catch, start in verse 2 next time and run down through the details because he's invading that territory. He's on, on, onward and upward he goes. Okay? All right. The only Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the study of it and for the look into this and the criticalness of it and for the ability to see it and to understand and to leave it where it's at and to let it say what it says and to watch you deliver your nation, your people. In your name we pray. Amen.